0: listening to the iHeart Radio Talk Network and this is the Evan Solomon show
1: Happy Thursday Coast to coast to coast Canada What a nice bit of weather we're finally getting and as the sun comes out you might be wondering where the summer is Well today we are wondering where the lions are It is going to be such a great day for us on the big show because one of the greatest singer-songwriters of our generation, Bruce Coburn, who just got his star on Canada's Walk of Fame, is going to drop by. So imagine you're taking a two-hour car ride, and at one point, one of the greatest singer-songwriters, the If I Had a Rocket Launcher, he wrote that about Guatemala, but talk about the relevance for Ukraine. Lovers in a dangerous time. A hit when he did it. A hit when the bare naked ladies covered it. Wondering where the lions are, and maybe one of the great guitarists. He's just a he's just a master, and he's going to drop by. I'm really really looking forward to getting to know Bruce Coburn. Uh, he is. I've seen him in concert many times. I'm sure many of you have just to, you know anytime a genius basically can walk in and and talk about the music uh we'll, we'll take that on on the big show so we've got that it's a Thursday you've had enough division you're in a there's an election going on in Ontario so everyone's fighting there's a conservative leadership debate we're going to talk about all that the abortion debate is on in the US and it's spilling over into Canada so there's, believe me, we've got enough stuff to divide us. So we thought today, Sam and I and Chris, maybe we should do some stuff that, okay, we'll get at the division. We can't, you know, Melanie Paradis is going to drop by and we're going to talk about that big, first big conservative debate tonight. Five of the six candidates are going to debate tonight. And I'll host a CTV television special on that as well. As we... we you, you do want to see how Paulie Ever and, and, and Sheree are going to clash if in the the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is coming in the U.S., is going to embolden social conservatives like Leslie Lewis. I, there's a lot to look for tonight. I'm excited for that. And why the heck is Pat Brown skipping it? He's going to be there on May 11th in the Edmonton debate, and so so we will get your fair share of division. I, the leader of the NDP, I'll speak to Jugmeet Singh. He wants to make contraception free, so that debate's here. So you want your division, you want your fights, you want your arguments. I got them for you today. But I, I actually think we got to come together a bit, and. I've been bitten by the Blue Jays bug this year and it's a, and it's a, and the bug might put you on the bandwagon. It's a heck of a team. And it's hard to watch like 162 games, but just the Blue Jays are they're fun, they're winning close games, they're young. They are exactly they look like they're having fun. And then when they they lost two out of 3 to their arch rivals the Yankees who are the Yankees are on fire. And there was a great moment, even in a losing game, the, the, the Jays won 2-1 last night, but it was just a great sports moment. You don't have to be a Jays fan to have seen this Toronto Blue Jays fan na- named Mike Lanzalada who caught an Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge is a Yankees a star, who Judge sends a, a home run ball in into orbit Mike catches it and he gives it to the kid beside him who just behind him who is sporting a Yankees jersey and hat with of course Aaron judges number on it and and the kids um, name is Derek Rodriguez so it's really cool so Mike is gonna drop by because he was there last night and he got honored by the Jays and the Yankees and he met everyone he's gonna go to New York and it's kind of cool and you know what What's weird is the humanity of that has gone viral. You think the guy just gave a kid a baseball, big whoop. But you know what? It's so rare to see just a random act of kindness. Blue Jays fan gives something to a Yankees fan in a tense game and people are craving it. And it does say this to me. And I know that all of you in Ontario are in an election And divisions matter, and partisanship matters, and partisanship, and elections matter, and I get it. And conservatives across the country are trying to choose a new leader, and I get it. And there's going to be lots of robust debate, all of which I'm totally in favor of. However, that little viral moment shows one thing. People are craving connection. They're craving a glimpse of humanity where people are just like oh right we're not jerks as a species we're not just the kind of people that invade another country our species we're not just people fighting over a woman's right to choose or the abortion we're not just people who are always screaming you're a liar no you're a liar you're a failure no you're a fa-. sometimes we're just people we're just mike Sometimes we're just Mike and something good comes our way and we have the instinct to give it away to someone like Derek who wants it more. That not everything that good comes your way. You sit there and you, yeah, and you gloat and you take it. And it's all about me. Sometimes you just do the right thing. And maybe we need a little tap on the shoulder on that occasionally because holy mackinac, it is a, like, Someone was saying to me on the first spring day today, we needed this. I think Sam and I were talking about it. It was a rough winter. We had the trucker protests that were so divisive across the country and the Emergencies Act. We had the sixth wave of COVID. We had the war in Ukraine. Enough. And the, and the weather was crappy. It was freezing. And so you just think, you know what? Maybe we just need a little reminder. So I, I, I really want to revel in that story today. And just sometimes we got to do the right thing. And, and I would ask you today to do one thing that's out of the character. Like you get something good, like a pay it forward moment. Maybe you're passing someone in the street who needs a hand. Get him or her a coffee or throw him a loonie or a toonie if you have it. Who carries change anymore? Maybe it's just opening the door for someone. Maybe it's calling someone who's sick or saying sorry to someone you were short-tempered with. Do one thing. Maybe today should be a be like Mike. Hand the metaphorical baseball that's in your hands off to someone who needs it a little more. And and I think that's my takeaway today. I'm going to try to have a bit of a be like Mike day. Little gratitude. Stuff's come my way. Maybe I'll pay it forward to someone who needs it a little more than me. And I think that's why that clip of Mike giving the baseball at the Jays game, which is, you know, in and of itself, no big whoop. I mean, can you imagine the attention this guy's getting because he gave a baseball away? There are about a 1,000 nurses out there listening to me right now who's like, really? I just cleaned a bedpan, pal. I just cleaned someone who threw up. I've done, you know, above and beyond stuff, and no one gave me a shout We should give you a shout-out. There's a teacher listening saying... There was a kid that was crying. There was a kid that has an abusive household. I just, I stayed after school because this kid needs extra help. You deserve a shout out. And I I know that's you don't get the baseball. You know, there's the guys that are collecting the garbage that someone puts out stuff that's not packed properly, but they pick it up. They deserve a shout out. We talked about the grocery store clerks and the truckers during the COVID. We forgot that we still need a shout out because they're still bagging your groceries. The frontline workers. So I get it. Mike's getting the attention. Mike's going to join us. Mike reminds us that, you know what? There's goodness out there. Actually, we're good people. Canada, we're good. I know that sounds like the craziest thing to have to remind us in a time of deep division. We're good. Let's show it. We'll be like Mike. Anyway, we're going to meet Mike later. But in the meantime, yeah, we're going to talk conservative debate next.
0: Making sense of the latest news. You're listening to The Evan Solomon Show. So much going
1: on politically. So the uh, election is deep underway in Ontario. Tonight, the first federal conservative leadership debate. songs Patrick Brown will take place. The abortion debate. Uh, did you see uh, a, a major newspaper in Quebec? Journal de Montréal had the picture of every single pro-life conservative on it. So if anyone thinks, oh, this issue is not going away, it's not part of Canada, it's a U.S. thing, it's not. It's a big issue here. So how does all this play out in understanding what people are doing? What do we expect to see tonight in the in the big debate square off? When we uh, have good questions like this, we bring in our friend Melanie Paradis, the conservative strategist, former senior staffer to Aaron O'Toole, an all-around smart person. How are you, How are you, Mel?
2: I'm great, Evan. Thanks for having me.
1: It's all the time we've got now. I just compliment you and then leave you. That's
2: yeah, it. perfect.
1: <laughs> Melanie Perdy's brilliant, and we're out of time. Uh, okay, let, what are you looking for tonight? Let's start there, and then we'll move through. We'll slalom through the other topics. What about tonight's debate? If it's at, uh, you know, what used to be the Manning Center, it's now what Strong and Free. Um, mm-hmm. What's the what's at stake here, and what are you looking
3: for?
2: So I'll be watching for, you know, what always interests me in these debates is who attacks who, and just as importantly, who, which of the front runners avoid attacking another candidate and who is that candidate. And that, that usually tells you where, um, how things are really going in this race and where people are planning to get some down ballot support. Um, it's usually a clear indicator of what the strategies are behind the scenes, because everything that they say tonight will have been mapped out and, and prepped by their teams.
1: And what do you what do you think will happen? Because I think there's some incredibly interesting dynamics. Um, the most obvious one is the Charey Everett. What will happen there? What needs What does Sheree need to do to kind of get back in the game? And what does Pierre Pauliavre What should he do after he's already pummeled Sheree? I
2: think Sheree needs to reintroduce himself to a lot of conservatives. There's a whole uh, younger generation. Um, myself included, frankly, who and I don't consider myself that young, but uh, who who don't know enough about him, um, who weren't really paying close attention when when he was premier, and he needs to reintroduce himself um, to to that segment of the cons- of the conservative membership. I think for Pierre Polyev, he he needs to um, demonstrate. And look, he's he's a fantastic debater. Uh, he's spent like so, what the past 15 years in the House of Commons. Uh, he's one of the, the strongest debaters that we have um, and would always tap him uh, when you needed him to go on the attack. He, he was the guy that, that you went to. So I fully expect that he's going to perform very well. What he needs to do, though, is, is be careful um, not to alienate anyone um, and to still put a, a professional and calm uh, performance forward so that he can, again, like get that down ballot support that, that uh, he and everyone else needs.
1: Leslyn Lewis, is she emboldened, as you've said to me, by what's happened in the U.S. on the Roe v. Wade decision? And what are you looking for from her?
2: Well, I think it'll be interesting to see if that comes up tonight. Um, I, I doubt that it is a planned question for this debate. It's possible that, that they've added it in. Um, but, I'm sure that they had planned their questions for for weeks before this had happened. But look, a, a candidate, another candidate could bring it up. Leslie Lewis, herself could bring it up. Um, she's already uh, pitched her her policies related to to abortion um, to the members in in emails to date. So she's very clear what her position is. Um, and maybe she will use this evening's debate as an opportunity to reiterate that.
1: Does it put Mr. Polyevra and Mr. Shiree in a, in a camp? I, I'm sure Roman Baber, by the way, he, one of the other candidates, will talk about it. But does it put them? They, they've articulated that they're pro choice, but Mr. Polyevra is relying on her for down ballot support. Does that put him in a box?
2: Of course. Um, and and it always has. So in 2017 and in 2020, uh, both of the successful leaders, so Andrew Shearer and then Aaron O'Toole, um, were able to do this dance where you are either, uh, in the case of Shear, personally pro-life, in the case of O'Toole, personally pro-choice, but both, um, were, were nuanced in their approach saying, you know, we'll have free votes. We will not reopen the debate. Like they, they said the things that were necessary to not like offend a, a lot of people so you could get that down ballot support. And I think that that's the position that the frontrunners in this race are in right now where they need to, um, they can have their own personal position on it, um, but they're still, couching that with, mm. I will respect free votes.
1: Okay. This leadership debate um, is taking place before the big May 11th. What do you make of Patrick Brown not coming to this one?
2: Look, his, he and his team have had a different approach to this race from the start. They are singularly focused on selling tens of thousands of memberships, and they aren't wasting any time doing anything else. Um, or at least that's what, what they say that they're, that they're doing. Um, this debate meant candidates had to spend like two days in Ottawa. Um, they're all in debate prep right now for hours today. That's hours that they could be spending on the phones calling members instead and selling memberships. Um, and so I think my understanding from the Brown team is that they're spending these two days instead meeting with hundreds of organizers and yeah. motivating them to sell thousands of memberships. And is that a gamble? Of course it is, but that's the game.
1: It is a. I mean, look at it's an amazingly different strategy. How does speaking of Melanie Parody, this is playing out as there's an election in Ontario, an election, and Ontario is the prize for federal conservatives. Uh, are they watching Doug Ford and Doug Ford's move to the political center, move to basically throw his political arms around Justin Trudeau, except around the carbon tax, but about almost anything else? And you know, Ford had, believes that uh, Trudeau's Shadow is a good place to be. What message is that sending to some conservatives?
2: I don't think that Doug Ford stands in anyone's shadow. <laughs> I think that he uh, he is a leader in his own right. And he definitely has his own style, and he has his own um, his own approach to politics that is not nearly as partisan as uh, as perhaps some might might like. Um, but it works for him, and that's why he's the premier, and I think it's why he's going to win this election too. Uh, should should our, the federal conservatives take notes from him? Yes, maybe we would win more. Straight
1: up. So,
2: but yeah. what what notes? Like,
1: okay, so what's the briefing note?
2: Uh, you know what? It's a lot. Of, it's more about the people than about the the politics. We we need to have our, our politicians, um, whether they're conservative or liberal or NDC, like they they need to care more about everyday people and be appealing directly to families to to workers. Um, about stuff that impacts them every day. That's why affordability is such a huge issue right now. Uh, and I'm glad that a lot of politicians are starting to pay more attention to that. Uh, it, it, this, it doesn't need to be partisan to help people.
1: Okay. Um, you've got that issue, uh, that that election playing out. It's tightening, by the way, in Ontario. And any thoughts on, on what issues are emerging? There's affordability. There's health care. To me, that's been really telling... Um, election already going on there. Um, what's your take on the Liberals and the NDP and how that is playing out? Because uh, Andrea Horvath, the NDP leader, I think, what is this, election number four
2: for her? Yeah. Yeah, so they're competing for, they're competing against each other, really, for survival at this point. There, there's so much overlap politically between the the Liberals and the NDP, both federally and, and now provincially in Ontario, uh, that you can it's really hard to tell the difference. So they're really in a in a contest with each other in this in this election.
1: Well, you're still you're predicting still a Ford win. Yes, I mean he's ahead in the polls dramatically. All right, uh, and tonight uh, this will be a real interesting debate at the Manning Center. Uh, well, I guess it's what proud and strong and free, right? Yes,
2: strong and free that.
1: Then they all decamp to go to Edmonton on the May 11th. So that race is heating up. Man, there's so much politics going on, and um, that one.
2: That one we'll have Patrick Brown at. We'll be able to see that because it's mandatory. So yeah. none of the candidates can skip that one.
1: No, and the Brown camp will be there. They're, they're, they're All six will be there. Uh, and we'll find out, by the way, of Joel A. Chen, one of the guys who was booted out, and is, he's appealing to get back in if there's even seven. I don't think he'll get back in, but we'll see. Uh, Melanie Purdy, great to have you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: All right. Lots to pay attention to. Uh, Bruce Colburn coming up, which is great. Uh, the the kind man who caught the Blue Jays baseball is standing by. Maybe he'll give us a baseball. Mike Lanzalada the fan that gave the nine year old derrett Rodriguez the Aaron Judge home run ball. This to me is a be like Mike day, and Mike joins us next. Stay with us. <laughs>
0: As your world changes, we adapt to get your answers. Now more with Evan Solomon. So much rides on a baseball.
1: Normally, what you do when you're uh, a fan and you're a Blue Jays fan, and the Yankees star hits a home run, is you you you, you can toss that ball back. But Mike Lanzolata said, "No, no, no. I'm going to hand it to a nine year old kid when a Yankees." hat and an Aaron Judge t-shirt on and he hands the baseball and and the world explodes and for Mike he's basically had to quit his job and do media since then and he joins me now Mike lands a lot of the 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 fan in question whose gesture has just gone viral how you doing
4: Mike I'm doing well thank you how are you man
1: you ever thought giving a baseball to a kid would be like life-changing Mike
4: no, I I didn't, and you know, um, after the fact, I had, I had no idea it was going to blow up this big. But I'm, I'm super happy for for uh, Derek. It's cool that that this just gest-
1: let let's go to the gesture, and then because last night it was awesome. You know, you got the Springer stuff and 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 more to come. But but let's just start at the beginning. You're a regular fan. You're in this. You're in that spot a lot
4: yeah uh my buddy uh my buddy Paul has seasons tickets. We met him uh, back in the two thousand and fifteen um playoff run, and we've just kept in touch ever since and I buy a few games or off of them a year and you know amongst other games bring my family and stuff like that. but yeah, we go to tons and tons of games yeah.
1: and uh, did you now the kids wearing the Yankee stuff what before this all happens did you had you already connected with Derek Rodriguez and his dad?
4: Yeah, uh funny thing is before the game I was there my buddy Nigel we were walking down and uh, we see two Yankees fans and we're like, "Oh great, we're sitting in front of Yankees fans." And you know, after we got down there, I realized it was a, you know, a father and and his son and they, you know, the kid had a glove on and they looked like pretty avid avid baseball fans. So, uh we just got to talking and I said, "Let's get this kid a ball." And yeah, and uh Are you know, they New York? Coming-
1: are they from New York are they Toronto?
4: Fans. uh no no they're from toronto yeah his dad nice. just grew up as a yankees fan and um nice. yeah, passed it down to to uh poor kid as a tradition right poor kid
1: no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay so so then the the ball comes and you snag it which is great let's go to the moment where you turn around and you hand it to derek and then like this is the world changes because his reaction also makes this happen what what, what goes on there
4: uh, yeah. So, you know, I, 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 uh, I try to catch the ball and it, <laughs> it was, it bounced off my hands. It was hit pretty hard, but, um, you know, because I promised him a ball, it just instinct took over and, uh, immediately handed it to him. And, uh, as soon as, you know, that ball touched his hands, it was, it was all over. The water work started he threw his arms around me and, and, you know, just saying, thank you so much, you know, and I love you. And, uh, oh, pretty special moment He said I future.
1: love Here's how he oh, remembers yeah. it Mike let me just play Here's Derek remembering it Listen to He looked so straight good. at me and Now I, I knew he was going to give it to me I remember I said thank you But I forgot everything else I said I couldn't control myself I got the ball And as soon as he gave it to me I just hugged him I didn't know what I was I just did it And he said I love you <laughs>
4: That's great I haven't heard that one yet So that's cool
1: that's cool. He doesn't even remember yeah. saying I love you. Oh, yeah. man. It's cool, right? And then you kind of reach back, right? Like you did a real dad thing. You kind of touched him on the side of the, the cheek there. What did you say to him?
4: Uh, well, first I said, you know, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah, <laughs> so that, nice. Yeah, that was the first line. The um, old Tom Hanks line, nice. <laughs> yeah, but then I, I said to him, you know, you know, when you're older you might have an opportunity to do this for someone else, so so you know, just keep that in mind and, and pay it forward. He promised me that, and he says, "I promise, I promise." Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah.
1: so great, right? Then the mm-hmm. world explodes. Like you're like, okay, I did it. You know, go back to the game. It's Buck a dog. You know, yeah. Jays are losing. An, uh, you know, another a, a game to the Yankees, but they're playing another heartbreaker. This season has been unbelievable. And then, yeah. little did when did you realize you better get out your metaphoric surfboard because you are on the big wave, Mike.
4: <laughs> you know, it, I had no um, expectation of this as of this going viral, but um, I was walking to uh, I was walking my daughter to the bus stop with uh, my neighbor, who, whom we walk with every day, and she says to me, "You know, this is uh, this is going viral." Because I'm not a big social media guy, right? And uh, I'm like, "No, it's not." She's like, "Trust me, by the end of the day, this is going this is going worldwide." I'm like, "And I did." I, "You know what?" She was right.
1: Yeah. So, like you've been crazy. so so then last night, by the way Jays win two one last night, I, I'm yeah. just gonna keep throwing in the scores oh, here yeah. if you don't mind my yeah. but you okay. got to meet Aaron Judge. You and Derek met Aaron Judge, and here's what Judge said about not only meeting Derek, but but then and about you. Here's Aaron Judge.
5: Oh, that still gives me goosebumps, you know, to this day to you know see little kids that you know are wearing my number, wearing my jersey, you know, that's something I dreamed of. I used to be in his position, you know, that little kid, you know, rooting on my favorite players and teams.
1: So what was it like when you're all of a sudden you're like, okay, man, I meet Aaron Judge and, and yeah. we're on the
4: field? Like, give me, give me your sense of that. Well, it was pretty overwhelming. I was, I was pretty starstruck, um, and I can imagine what what a nine year old is feeling in that in that situation too. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, pure class. You know, what a gentleman Judge is, and uh, you know, shook my hand and and gave me some, uh, you know. Words of encouragement and and uh, um, some pretty good uh, advice. So he um, you know, you just said, you know, it, it's pretty special what you did. You know, you're you're touching people around the world, and um, you know, just never stop being who, who you are. And 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 uh, you know, thank you, thank you so much. He said to me, which yes. you know, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> never mind him.
1: Yeah, I'll play. This is Derek meeting his idol. Like uh, he's meeting his idol. And you're meeting him too. Here's Derek. How you doing, my man? Great. Doing good. He's just falling, man. Oh my goodness. He's just falling. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy, right? Crazy. Like, I think you know it's, and then and then you get the George Springer signed jersey. And I hear you're going to New York now. Is that
4: right? Oh yeah. I mean, the Springer thing was was unexpected as well. I'm so grateful, you know, for George. They they said you know he heard about. Know, what happened and he wanted to recognize us in, in some way and, and that that was beautiful and um you know the Yankees rep came up and and offered us uh you know tickets to the J series one of the games there in in, uh, in August uh to sit in the judges chambers um wow. and it, it was <laughs> it was funny because I told I told uh I told judge you know we got tickets I'm sitting behind you and I'll be chirping you and he's like, oh, don't worry. I can handle it, man. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that guy's big. Oh, my God. You think he's big on TV? He yeah. Larger than life.
1: Because you look like, like, I'm a big guy. You look like a big guy, but I was like, Aaron Judge's a big man, right? He's big man. <laughs> That's how But
4: yeah.
1: you know what's great? Like, why do you think this has struck people, Mike? I'm mean, you know, Because what you did was great. But it's gone. It, I feel like people are craving just a little bit of, you know, the rivalry. But we go to the park. You know, it's great to, to to cheer against the Yankees and cheer for the Jays, or vice versa. But in the end of the day, why do you think this little moment has been connected so deeply? What is it?
5: Hmm.
4: You know, I, I just think I just think with all like, the negativity that's been going on in the world and the social media and all this stuff the past couple of years, I, it, people needed. Um, you know, something to uplift their spirits, and, and, and it's all about, you know, these, these acts of kindness and random acts of kindness, and, and like I said before, paying it forward, you know, it gives people inspiration, and, and what, you know, Judge told me, Lee, this has affected people. Uh, you know, on a personal level, and uh, uh, it's just I'm, I'm completely humbled by by the mm. entire experience.
1: How has it changed you? You seem like a great guy, by the way. You just, you're <laughs> like, you know you do. You just seem like, you know, hey, like, hey, who wants to have a beer with Mike? And, like, everyone's like, me. <laughs> but I kind of have a be like Mike moment. I've been asked our listeners, like, have, have a day, be like Mike. But how, has this changed you at all, Mike? Uh,
4: no, man. Like, if anything, it's probably made me more humble as a person um i'm just an average guy you know i like sports i, I like gardening i you know, play played softball and um you know shout out to the aurora jays my my uh, my mm. softball team there but um i mean physically it's changed me because i haven't really slept ah! <laughs> in like in like three days um, but that's and, great uh, but it's just made me Uh, you know be so grateful for you know all my friends and family with the outpour of of love and support and um, not only from them but just from people I I, never met before
1: enjoy every moment enjoy the Yankees game and if you're really such a great guy come and do my garden I got some weeding for you (laughs) Mike (laughs) lands a lot of Mike you're, you're you're a rock star buddy I mean it thank you thank you we'll be right back
0: answers to all your questions. You're listening to the Evan Solomon show. Well, the uh, leak,
1: the stunning leak of the US Supreme Court draft opinion that will strike down the 1973 landmark Roe v Wade decision on abortion rights has now become a massive issue in, in Canada. It will be featured in the conservative debates. Um, politicians have talked about their position on this and it's drawn new attention from the liberal government and their promises to make sure there's some kind of equitable access to abortion facilities in Canada. Trudeau says that his government is looking to use legislation. They haven't done it. It's they're mandated to do it. They haven't made much progress on it. Um, to ensure safe and legal abortion will be permanently protected in Canada. Here's what he said. To ensure uh, that uh, we uh, move forward as necessary on ensuring uh, that, not just under this government, but under any future government, uh, the rights of women are properly protected. How's he going to do it? You know... Uh, is he going to make legislation the NDP says well one thing you should do is make contraception free as a part of a new national pharmacare program that's what our whole supply and confidence deal was supposed to be about right is that going to happen well I spoke with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh and I asked him look you say contraception would be free under some new national health uh pharma care plan what kind of contraception why is this so important
3: What we've seen over the past seven years with the Liberals in power has been uh, no effort, no concrete steps, nothing to expand access to abortion services. And while we will always be vigilant to defend the right, what is a major concern in Canada right now is the lack of access. There are so many women that cannot get access to abortion services. And so given the seven years of inaction, what we're pushing for is a concrete way to give uh, people some support and that would be to make sure contraceptives and emergency contraceptives birth control are included in a national pharmacare they're covered the cost of birth control should be covered and that will be a, a significant expansion for people that are already squeezed their budgets are already tight and to be able to have that covered would provide some additional supports for women really the question of access has been on people's minds in Canada for a long time and there are rural communities, indigenous communities where people have to travel hundreds if not thousands of kilometres, be away from home for three days by themselves in many cases to get access to services. That is something we need to expand. The Liberals for too long have have tried to use this as a a political wedge issue as opposed to protecting women's lives because that's, you know, eventually, that's what it comes down to, Evan. When, When people, when women don't get access to abortion services, it puts women's lives at risk.
1: So, so just on the contraception um, issue, um, the National Pharmacare plan, the Liberals have promised to pass it by the end of next year. Have you met with the Liberals to make sure this idea of contraception is part of the Pharmacare
3: deal? It was always envisioned in essential medication, and it's something that other countries have also included. So we strongly believe that's what the formulary should include, and we made that clear to the Liberals. We want the most comprehensive an expansive formulary meaning the list of medications that would be covered and that was uh, what we expressed we included things like mental health and uh, all essential medication as well as contraceptive so that's what we're pushing for in light of the agreement that we were able to use our power to achieve we want the first step now in in light of this real serious question of access and seven years of inaction Mm. on the part of the liberals when it comes to access let's start with contraceptive medication whether that's birth control or emergency contraceptives, let's cover that and and really move towards better access.
1: Uh, Abortion is decriminalized here in Canada, as you know, but there's not a law enshrining the right to have an abortion. That's why you have this patchwork provincial system. In your view, does the federal government need to try to create a standardized access across the country?
3: I think we should always look add ways to strengthen the rights there's no question about it and uh, in addition to strengthening the rights it is also fundamentally important at the same time that we strengthen access and one of the concerns in addition to broadly speaking access questions there are provinces that are in effect of violating the canada health act by not funding abortions which are deemed an essential service and so what we expect mm-hmm. of the federal government is to continue to support the right and look for ways to strengthen it but meaningfully apply the Canada Health Act to make sure provinces where they're not delivering their service are actually compelled to deliver that. And we're open to looking at ways to make that happen. But there are existing tools that the federal government is not using sufficiently, tools within the Canada Health Act to levy serious fines. So far, the fines for Nova Scotia and PEI combined for not delivering sufficient abortion services barely is $70,000 which everyone can yeah. can obviously see is not enough to compel the province to follow through yeah. so we need to use what we have more effectively we need to absolutely support expansion uh, we need to make sure the rights are more uh, are always uh, more protected but right now the fundamental and most important thing is expanding the coverage or access and one of the ways we can do that is by making sure birth control is covered that would be a real significant Whoa. change in the lives of many people
1: okay uh... later in the program we're debating lower the age uh... the voting age to sixteen i know there's a court case on there's a there's an election on in ontario uh... if you had the elevator thirty-second pitch on why this works why should sixteen-year-olds vote what's the elevator pitch
3: Uh, Sixteen-year-olds work, they pay taxes, they can get married. Uh, Other countries have implemented a 16-year-old voting and they found a far greater increase in first-time voters as compared to 18 and over, 18 and 24. And they've also found that once a young person votes in their 16 and 17 age they then stay voting for the rest of their lives and there's a long-term study that uh, dr Ishon, who presented at our press conference was able to uh, present to, to media as well as to other stakeholders that it actually increases participation in democracy not just in the first vote but for the rest of their lives if we want to strengthen democracy which has been threatened worldwide and we're seeing lots of examples of that this is an opportunity to strengthen our democracy and increase confidence in our institutions because more participation means people will right. believe in those institutions representing them. Well, well, a little bit we'll longer than that, an elevator pitch, uh, but pretty close.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a big, a long elevator ride. Uh, okay, Jagmeet Singh, I appreciate you uh, taking the ride with <laughs> us. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much. Okay, uh, that is Jagmeet Singh. He is the um, leader of the uh, new Democrat party. And um, he is going to, he is going to uh, try to push the government to get free contraception. I'd be interested to know what you think about that, but the abortion debate will play out tonight. It'll play out tonight on the conservative debate. It'll play out in the Ontario campaign and welcome to this world. Um, All right. Um, Coming up next, we got some really interesting things. We've got Dan Riskin is about to join us, and uh, he's going to talk about Canada adding crimes on the moon. That, really, crimes on the moon, uh, that's interesting. And Bruce Colburn is going to jump on, the great Bruce Coburn. Scott Reed is here with Overhyped and Underplayed. We'll, we'll dig into the elections on that. So we just got a great show. So Bruce Coburn coming up, Dan Riskin. Do we really need laws for crimes committed on the moon? Don't we have a little a few things here on earth to worry about? I think we do. I think we do. Let's figure that out. Um, okay. So we'll be right back on the Evan Solomon show. I can't wait to hear from Dan Riskin, but, uh, Chris, let's tee up as much Bruce Coburn music as we can. I wonder if Scott Reed's a big uh, Bruce Coburn fan. All right, D- Dan Riskin on the other side of a break. Stay with us.
0: Listening to the iHeart Radio Talk Network, and this is the Evan Solomon Show.
1: You know, there's a lot of problems here on Earth, and I thought, okay, can we just like try to deal with those? But then along comes our friend Dan Riskin, and he said, "Problems on Earth? What about crimes committed on the Moon?" And we're like, "Crimes committed? No, no!" But you got to risk it all with Dan Riskin.
5: It's good for you overall. Yeah, this is great. It is, it's a dream, man. The headline is risking It All. Yeah, I think that's where we're going with this. With Dan Riskin'.
1: risking It All. That that stinger's growing on me, Dan.
5: I love it. I, I just love it. My whole week is built around waiting for that stinger to play, and then it plays, and I'm like, oh yeah, there it is.
1: Do you ever feel like, you know, you get home, kids are cranky, you're not pop, you're in the doghouse a bit, you're like, you know what, I just need my stinger.
5: I just, I just need to hear this ring. thing. I just need to hear this thing. Absolutely. <laughs> just
1: need, Do you want us to send you a little stings that you can at any time? It should be my
5: cell phone ring. It's so every yeah. time. But then I would never answer my phone. I would just let it keep ringing.
1: <laughs> uh, it's like an audio mirror. Right? Yeah. It just, it's, just, it's just so good. Uh you okay. Now, now you have, how things by the way because I got to say, you know, on the show today, we've got the great singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn standing Amazing. By, right? We got we had the guy that caught the baseball because I thought, you know, and gave it to the kid, the Yankees Amazing. Fan. Because I thought, you know, people are so down, down about Earth right now. There's so huh. much crap on Earth that I just feel like people need a break. And and now here you are talking about worried about crimes committed on the moon.
5: Well, I like this because when I saw this story, I was like, this is like the Venn diagram of Evan Solomon's world and Dan Riskin's world overlapping. <laughs> There's like this little place where they overlap because it's about space, but it's also about Budget Bill C19, which is like something I would never touch with like a. 300 yard pole but for you that's right in your wheelhouse right but christian friedland's passed uh, or has proposed this budget bill and it's passed the first reading in the house of commons just passed april 29th and right. part of that giant budget bill is the civil lunar gateway agreement implementation act which would make canadian law applicable to a canadian who is in space on their way to the moon on the moon or in orbit around the moon and so that would, it's just I ju- just making it clear that if a Canadian is naughty out there, they're going to be tried in Canadian courts.
1: And actually, now it's interesting, right? Because, and I know that it sounds like I'm like, okay, hey, Canadian government, classic. Like, worry about this on Earth. Don't worry about that. But, you know, there are people, like, let's say someone on the space station, they're up there for six months, was sexually assaulted, right? Right. Or there is a fight because people are nuts up there after a while. Like who, under what law are you prosecuting? Does the law apply on the space station? And what law does apply on the space station?
5: Yeah, well, the space station, so Canadian law applies to Canadians on the space station. um, But there is a general rule agreement among nations that whoever built the spaceship gets to have their laws apply there. Because the International Space Station is an international place, Canadians up there are subject to Canadian law. But the whole thing isn't as academic as you would think. So in 2019, um, there was an American astronaut named Anne McLean who was on the International Space Station, and she was accused by her ex-spouse of accessing uh, bank records of the ex-spouse inappropriately. And so that would have been... From space. From space. And so this would have been the first crime committed in space. And since then... Uh, those those uh, charges have been withdrawn and the the person who made those allegations has been, is under in a lot of trouble for having made false allegations allegedly, it's all, it's a giant mess but, so it doesn't look like that's going to end up being the first space crime to ever happen but more and more people are going to space and it's not just the International Space Station for a long trip, sometimes it's a quick trip up with William Shatner and you touch the sky and come back down and with more and more people going up there, there's just more and more possibility right. for some somebody to do something that offends somebody else and they want right. to, they want and- the court.
1: Right. If, you, if
5: you're going to touch the sky,
1: you better get permission. <laughs> Otherwise, <Yeah>. so <laughs> as it were. So, no, but this is interesting. Um, what laws applied now? Like, could someone could someone's defense say, well, the, the crime took place outside of the jurisdiction of Canadian law. It doesn't apply to me so I can do what I want in space.
5: Right. I mean, this goes down to, I mean, if you think back to the rum runners in the States back in the day, there was a law that, you know, US law applied up to, I forget what it was, I think three miles off the coast or something. So everybody just drove their rum up in a boat and parked just, you know, within eyesight of the shore and people would make quick trips out into the middle of the ocean and go get some rum. And then they had to run it back. And the police couldn't touch the people that were standing behind that line because it was this like this rule that you couldn't go out there. And so these these things have a precedent for sure. And what Canada wants to avoid Is you know, here we are entering into an agreement with the states to go up on the Artemis mission, so uh, Artemis 2 is supposed to launch 2024, although it may get pushed back, but that is going to be the first trip up and around the moon for people since the Apollo missions. And Canadians have got a seat on that flight. I mean, we we're we're going. So uh, the Artemis one is going to be an uh, unoccupied flight. That's going to be just robotic. And then Artemis two is people going around the moon and waving at it and coming back. And then Artemis three is going to be people landing on the moon. And we have, we have tickets for Artemis two, this, bill would have us covered just it's just lawyers doing their lawyer thing saying okay let's just know what the rules are before we send a canadian up there in case case they start punching americans or something
1: yeah i mean that's it like let's say you know the russians and the americans are up there who know i mean they've all got along but i thought now i'm going to get nerdy only because of the research we did because you prompted us to in 1967 there was something called the outer space treaty that Canada ratified, along with 99 other nations, that basically says that that's the law in space, that, uh, as you talked about, um, if you're on the space station, you've got an international agreement um, to, that your law extends there. W- why is it, Wasn't that enough?
5: Right. Well, that only covered up to the International Space Station. And so, you know, here we are extending our tentacles farther into space. And now we just want to make sure it's clear it goes to the moon. I I find it interesting they don't use different language that would cover Mars because we're going there next. Right. I mean, at some point, you got to just sort of say everywhere in the universe. Goodness knows. I I mean, I've seen legal agreements that are about like appearing on television. And sometimes those things say, and we can use your face anywhere in the known universe, you know, and and they use really uh, exactly language there. But here when you're actually talking about going into space. They haven't figured out that language yet. But I'm really curious about how the lawyers like I'd love to know how this like what lawyers like, listen, we got to cover this base because we could get in a lot of trouble and how they draft that up and what they're thinking about and whether the Canadian Space Agency is even involved in any of that. Um, but it's very interesting. And of course, it's very deep in a really, you know, in a budget bill, which is probably as a, as a scientist, I can say less interesting, I think, than, uh, you know, a phylogeny paper on flies or something like that. I'd, I, I can't take the time to read through budget bills unless I see the word space station and then I'm then I perk up.
1: I, I now have to figure out that phylog. What is it? Phylogeny. Oh, the phy- sorry, the relationship is, of. Well, you know, yeah, this is the history. Just, how organisms evolve.
5: Yeah, phylogeny is how they're related. So, if you made a family tree of all the different flies that exist in the world, and there are like tens of thousands yeah. of species, it would be a pretty onerous paper. But I would much rather spend time reading that than reading a budget bill in the. So Canadian you would rather you
1: know. read phy. How do you say it?
5: Phylogeny. You would phylogeny phylogeny rather read phylogeny or, yeah.
1: than than that how three hundred and thirty. Uh, folks are spending your money.
5: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's
1: 338 people that are spending half your tax dollars, but you're like, I'll, I'll prefer phylogeny.
5: But flies will be here long after we're gone. And wouldn't you like to know more about how they exist? I mean, there are some flies that have stock eyes, right? So they like they have almost like a like no, a no. like a hammerhead shark. They have these two long tentacle things that come out of their head and they have an eyeball at each end and they move them around and they use them to attract females. Don't you want to know how that evolved? Don't you want to know where that comes from? And then I do, the but I thought parasites.
1: phylogeny was more than just about flies.
5: Well, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm just saying there is one paper on, on fly phylogeny, but you could have a mammal phylogeny paper, oh. like how are all the mammals related? You could have the the, uh, the animal phylogeny. So we're I mean, saying phy,
1: phy, phylogeny is not yeah.
5: even an F word. It's a PH word. No, no, no. It's, oh, no, you're right. It is a PH word. Yes, it is. Phylogeny <laughs> is uh, phylogy, like, it's like branch. So I when I drop the F
1: bomb, you drop the PH bomb.
5: That's, that's right. the difference between phylog- That's right. That's the difference you, between biologists I and the not
1: people. I, there are days when I... Need a machine to measure your nerdology, and right now I need one.
5: Well, it's listen, amazing. It, I'm off the charts, I'm sure. But listen, I like this because it's it's lawyers trying to understand like the space and technology thing, right, and one of the right. one of the things people always remark about is the technology changes so much faster than the laws can keep up with you think about uh you know intellectual property you think about art you think about copying you think about copyright i mean there are all these places where law isn't keeping up so the question is is right, law right. going to keep up here or is uh, the space race going even you, faster?
1: You, i got 10 seconds here Matea roach you know the the jeopardy winner yeah. who's could you beat her at a game?
5: You think? Not a chance. You could. On, no, I can never remember the word I'm trying to think of. Or Actually, phylogeny. yeah, no, I seriously. She, she's she's amazing. She's amazing.
1: I, I, I she was on the show. I've known her for a while. She's an amazing. Kid. Uh, she was a kid when I met her. She's an amazing. Woman now. Uh, Dan Riskin, CTV Science and Technology Specialist. Uh, that was great. The laws on the moon and phylogeny. Wow, You're love the it. Best. Thanks, man. Thank uh, overhyped and underplayed. Next, Scott Reed standing by.
0: This story changes, we react. This is the Evan Solomon Show. Jays versus Leafs, Ontario
1: election versus conservative leadership debate, American politics versus Canadian politics. What's overhyped, what's underplayed? It's time to find out.
0: Overhyped. Create jobs and opportunity. In this election, here's what I want to do. Or underplayed.
1: Scott Reed is here. The great and powerful Scott Reed, uh, CTV News political commentator, former comms director for Prime Minister Paul Martin, speechwriter, funny guy, sports fan. God, what doesn't he do? Renaissance man, polymath. Hi, Scott. Well, hello, Evan. God, you're Uh, good. You're good. Didn't you you have a birthday recently?
6: I yes, as a matter of fact, I did have a birthday. Those are among among my many uh, talents, as you uh, as you just elucidated. Aging, aging is right but, at the top of the list of things I'm super duper good at these days.
1: Trust me, that's not a that's not a small thing, and you're doing it well. Happy birthday, buddy. Um, Thank let's, you. Go, let, Thank you. let's go. Let's go. Well, you're doing it well. Listen, I don't care how much you weigh. It's just you I'll know. Just <laughs>
6: It's one, it's it's one stumbling, <laughs> wheezy step toward the grave after another. You know,
1: uh, I, I always like to throw a little body shaming out at Reed just just because we we share the kind of mid age vanities that we're so susceptible to.
6: Exactly, <laughs> it's, it's
1: so pathetic. pathetic. So for the uh, Jays versus leaves. So what what's uh, overhyped? What's underplayed? Well, you got to go with the Leafs. I mean,
6: you got to go. I mean, the, the Leafs are underplayed uh, only in so far <laughs> as, you know, the whole city, you know, it, it reels from, oh, well, it's going to be a sweep. We're going to kill Tampa to, oh God, now we can't beat Tampa. Look, I'm <laughs> a Habs fan died in the wool, but I'm rooting for the Leafs. Yeah, it's just, you know, the city's a little hard to take at this point. It's really, oh. it's, 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 it's just a little, little, little hard to take. And and people are on the psychological edge of doom, right? Like, because if they get bounced in the first round again, oh. like, not only will people at MLS give, like, like there will be there will be fire in the streets, right? Oh, like, it's going to be crackers.
1: It'll be the first time you will see millions of people on a couch in therapy. My son, uh, Gideon, was with his best buddy Connor. They're both decked out in their leaf stuff last night uh, in front of the TV. And they had been so jacked up after game one. And they're like, this is it. They were ready to rock. They didn't change. They're superstitious. The game just has fallen apart last night, except for that nice cup. Honestly, I was like, oh, God, they're too young to get on this psychic torture that is being a Leafs fan. But they're on it. And now they're, like, doomed. And I said, relax. These are professional athletes. They'll come back. They're a great team. But talking to a Leaf fan rationally is crazy. Anyway... Let's just leave it there. Um, the uh, the Ontario election, what is overhyped and what is underplayed about this election?
6: I think what is overhyped, uh, super duper overhyped, is uh, the idea that there's a tie uh, in the opposition parties. I don't really think that's true anymore. Um, I think that the Liberals, if you look at most of the polls, have edged that out. Um, I think what's underplayed is how bizarrely Doug Ford has been able to make himself invulnerable to attack. Like I, 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 and I, like I think you end up with a guy. Now, obviously, anybody can lose any election. So I'm not, I'm not going to be like the fool that says you know the guy's unstoppable. But Doug Ford, three years ago, one year into his term, was an anchor around the throat of the Conservative Party in Ontario, and he is now their balloon. He floats above them. He carries that party, and he is their greatest asset. And one of the weird things is when you do focus group research and you say something bad about doug ford now people go oh you know what the guy tries hard you know he's a decent guy's heart's in the right place all that kind of crap which makes it almost impossible to say anything negative about the guy and have it stick it's just it's crazy he's been able to transform himself into everybody's lovable uncle and maybe he's not the smartest guy but gosh he sure means well he's the uncle buck of uh, canadian politics and it's gonna be really hard to compete against him
1: well, you know, try, pe- people like a, a sense of authenticity. I think I, it's amazing. He is polling way ahead of his brand. In other words, he pulls higher than the party. Stephen Del Duca, the liberal brand, is polling ahead of him because no one knows him. And Andrea Horvath, I'm just not sure. You know, fourth time around, um, it's tough to win fourth time around. Like, what is fresh in the window? Now, can she pull a Jack Layton? You try, you, you knock on the door once, twice, and then and finally the, you get let in? I don't know. She's, you know, I'm sorry, man. Like she's just, she's not, she's the polar
6: opposite of a happier warrior. She does not look like she's enjoying herself. She does not seem like she has uh, an enthusiasm and passion really? and a smile for it. All why, all. why do you? Yeah, why I mean, why do you say that? She's had one good year in her entire, one good day in her entire leadership, and that was what we call it. You, you may not forget this, an obscure reference, but the city TV debate in the 2018 election actually occurred two days before the formal writ dropped. She was killer in that, sprang ahead of the liberals, never looked back. It's been the only good day, as far as I can tell, in the entire tenure that she's had as leader. She's. Just just a rain cloud and i don't think it's going to work
1: interesting what's overhyped and what's underplayed in the conservative leadership race first debate happens tonight
6: I think what's overhyped is that this thing is a fight for the soul of the conservative party, that the, you know, that the conservatives have this, you know, sort of fundamental uh, uh, elemental choice to make. I think the choice has been made. I think Pierre Polyev is the overwhelming front runner. I think that he is the overwhelming choice that conservatives are making. Um, and I just don't even think it's a race. Like I just, I, I don't, I don't even think it's a race. So I mean, could something happen? Sure. Polyev could stumble. He could get too cocky. He could uh, drink his own bathwater. whatever but you know i th- i think the entire leadership debate is overhyped i don't think that many people are going to pay attention i don't think it's going to affect anybody's vote i don't think there's any stop in the guys so that's that's what i think is over overhyped what's uh, what's underplayed I think the effect of abortion. I think the effect of the U.S. abortion discussion. Yeah, because I think it really, I think it really, really, really uh, affects uh, that voter coalition. I think it's uncomfortable. I think it's going to um, make it harder for people to consolidate Leslyn Lewis's pro-life votes. I think it's going to be harder for those people to say, yeah, you know, Pierre Polly is pro-choice, but I guess I'll go there anyway. Like, I think it. I think. You know, within that movement, I think it cuts deeper, cuts harder and cuts more thoroughly than it does in the rest of the political population in Canada. And uh, so I'd I'd watch for it. I think it's going to have some uh, some perverting effects on the uh, on the campaign, probably to the detriment of Leslie Lewis.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it emboldens the social conservative movement. And they say, we're not just going to give our votes away. you got to be with us. We're now deciding to to harden and, and, you know, you can win long fights like they're doing in the U.S. So thanks but no thanks. We're no longer a convenient down-ballot support for a, a moral centrist.
6: I think that's right. I think they'll refuse to provide second-ballot support. I think it'll be, you know, mark my ballot with one candidate and that's it. I don't. So, you know, the idea like before the Roe v. Wade thing, I think that culturally a bunch of those, you know, campaign life types who are behind Lewis first might say, you know, I generally like what culturally I like what. Polyev is is peddling, but now it's reminded them. No, 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 no. There is one galvanizing issue that brings us to politics, and anybody who's not with us is against us, and we won't be there for them. So I think I think it, it's going to be harder for mm-hmm. them to consolidate around this issue.
1: All right, uh, Summers here. What age is too old to take your shirt off, if any, for a guy?
6: Oh, I don't know. Like, are you
1: I, are I, you I, a guy you know, now that me, would I, walk I, around I, no no shirt in the front yard still?
6: Well, see, I turned 50 abs the other day. Not 53, (laughs) not 54, 50 abs. And so, you know, the shirt's still coming off. No, okay, uh, is that right? Because there's, like, I get it. If
1: you're at the beach, I get it. You know, do your thing. But you know those people that will go, you know, just be on their front lawn, no shirt, they're mowing the lawn or whatever. What's the age where you, like, throw on a t-shirt?
6: Man, I don't know. There's a divorcee down the road. I think I'd be breaking her heart if I didn't go out there. uh, Oh, stop it. You're dreaming. Um, She's
1: probably throwing up in her mouth right now.
6: I, what I like is the guy at the cottage. There's, there's the How guy, do you like, even project that? The guy named Wayne, two cottages down. <laughs> guy named Wayne, two cottages down. He never has his shirt on from May twenty fourth to <laughs> September fifteenth, and all- it's like Wayne. It's got like either put a shirt on or do a sit up. Do you like, understand you're, you're that us, that man. the
1: divorcée down the street is taught? You are her Wayne.
6: No way. No, I'm hitting <laughs>
1: Newton. Come on. Okay. Before okay, that's fine. That's good. I I am I'm, I'm done with that. I, I got Bruce Coburn on the other side of it. How great, like, out of ten is Bruce Coburn singer song. I, I, I'm uh, so excited like, to talk to him.
6: I would be so I, I would be so enchanted if I was you. I'd be so excited. I mean, uh, like legend, legend, and and you know, underestimated, grossly underestimated yes. as a guitar player, like as a flat out pure guitar. Flat
1: out one of the great guitar players. So, uh, so you, you don't mind if I ditch you for Bruce Coburn? You mind? I think I can take it.
6: I think I think I, think I
1: can. I take, take it, your but... shirt off and relax, big boy. Bruce Coburn's next. <laughs> If Bruce Coburn wasn't on the other side of this song, I would just sit here and listen to that song because out of the over 350 songs he's written, this is just one of the many great ones. I I have been a lifelong Bruce Coburn fan. His guitar work, as an amateur crappy guitarist who struggles every night to to try to play guitar even remotely like Bruce Coburn, uh, his guitar work alone makes him legendary. His multiple Junos, I think he's won something like I don't know, thirty of them. His the fact that he's now on Canada's Walk of Fame doesn't begin to describe his humanitarian work, his activism, his musical creativity, and and what he's done throughout his remarkable, remarkable career. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome um I think it's thirteen Juno Awards, the great Bruce Coburn to the show. Hello, sir.
7: Hi. How are you doing? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm good. I honestly, if you weren't if you weren't hanging around on the other side, I just listened to your music.
2: <laughs> it's so
1: good. How? First of all, congrats on the Walk of Fame. Um, but more importantly, uh, post COVID, you're back touring. Um, you've been doing this for a long time, Bruce. When you get on stage now, um, describe that feeling. Like what what happens to you when you're out there now after. You know 50 years playing this music. Um what's it like to be back on stage?
7: It feels really good, I have to say. Uh the, the you know, I mean we didn't fare as badly as many people did over the 2 years of shutdown, but but uh I mean it, it was 2 years almost exactly for me uh between the end of one tour and the, and the beginning of the next and um, it it felt there was a considerable degree of uh, a kind of pent up feeling I was going to say frustration, but it wasn't exactly frustration it's just like feeling confined you like everybody I guess and we all felt that way but but not to be able to play the songs for people uh, was kind of painful because that's when the songs really come alive and so getting being able to get back on stage now and 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 do that is uh, I, it's exciting. It's fun. It's rewarding. I mean, it's also slightly stressful because I want to try to get it right and everything. But but um, what I have found with these shows this time around, I, starting back in December when we began this tour, that um, there's a little extra joyous something mm. that's in the that's just in the room. I mean, I feel it, and I think everybody in the room feels it, and 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 and, and cumulatively that adds up to just a, a little something extra that that uh, that everybody's bringing to the show, so it's, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, it's funny. The first show we <laughs> saw, my wife and I went to Bahamas. Um, yeah, another great Canadian guitarist, and masks were still on. It was the first show in like two years, and she just started crying. And I, I think people are so desperate to see music after two years. And speaking of Bruce Coburn, Bruce some of your hits that people are obviously, you know, they want to hear your new album, but of course they want to hear, you know, wondering where the lions are. You've played those songs for so long. Was there a point in your career where you were kind of tired of them and that this weight has kind of reintroduced you to your own music in a way that it's kind of, now you're seeing an old friend that you, you, you missed more than you ever thought you would.
7: Um, I wouldn't put it exactly like that. Certainly, the songs that get sung every night uh, do wear uh, after a while. I mean, uh, and and I find, you know, there was a there was a couple of years. This is quite a while ago now that I just didn't play Wondering Where yeah. the Lions for example, because I was I was just totally dead on it. But it came back, and I found that that's the case. Like it generally, when it was any song that kind of I just get tired of. If I stop doing it for a while, it, it, I can find a the, find the life in it again. After that, so it's it's uh, it's okay. I mean, the I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure where we are I was going with that answer. If I answered your question, but it, it, it's just um, the it, the 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 songs kind of they exist on their own and, and right. as as their own thing. And I've always tried to uh, in any given show to mix up the old and the new and kind of the middle-aged, you could say. And, um, and I'm doing that again on this tour. This is of course the, the second attempt at the 50th anniversary yeah. tour. So <laughs> I pulled out, I, I pulled out some old ones that I haven't done for a very long time.
1: How, how's uh, the, and, so it's the 50th Bruce, Bruce speaking of Bruce Colburn. Hey, Bruce, you're still writing and you're still a font of creativity. How has the creativity changed? Like as you, as you, you know, 50 years in, I I imagine there was a point where you couldn't go to bed without a melody. Are you still feeling that you are, you're whatever the muse is, whatever the the moment of creativity, are you still feeling bubbling over with music?
7: (laughs) I'm not sure I was ever really bubbling over with it. it, It's always been a kind of uh, sporadic thing. Like I'll, I'll go for, you know, weeks or maybe even a couple of months of, without thinking of any ideas at all and just, we're just playing the songs that I have. And then one day something will hit me, like, oh, that could be a song. And and it, it's the lyrics that come first. The melodies are, are kind of arrived at once the lyrics have enough shape to them to kind of see where they're going.
1: Oh, really? Um, so you don't. So, it's not yeah. like a melody floats down and you put a lyric. You you you, you have a, an idea that's lyrical, and then you you actually find the melody.
7: Yeah, mm-hmm. in my case, that's that's almost hundred percent the way it works. Uh, I know other songwriters don't necessarily operate that way. Some do, some don't. But but uh, it, for me, it always starts with the words.
1: Has, has there been and, and is it sometimes like a process of chiseling out a marble like it's it's a it's a hell of a hack and sometimes do words does a song kind of arrive because you always hear this songwriter oh this arrived at me in my dream or these words just descended and it wrote itself you know sort of ten years waiting for it but two minutes in the making or it, is or does it just differ for every song that you're writing
7: it, it changes from song to song I, I, some songs and I don't know why I mean. Uh, with, the, with the difficult ones, I guess I can see more easily. What, you know, I, I, after I went to Iraq in, in 2004, I, I really wanted to write a song about that. I ended up with a song called "This Is Baghdad," but um, it, it that was laborious because I was writing from notes that I'd taken, you know, being there, and uh, just to figure out what to put in, how to put it together. They, I mean, that was a more. A more mechanical process uh, or deliberate process, let's say, than, than most of the time. But there's other songs, like a song I, that I, one of the songs I'm doing in in the show, a new song called Into the Now, that I that, I, that took about 15 minutes uh, to write last July. Like it's it just you know it just really it's kind of luck of the draw.
1: God, you, you wish there was some, more of those 15 minutes, or maybe not. Um, it's, yeah, well, it,
7: the 15 minutes are fun, actually, yeah.
1: Is that right? <laughs> like, when you emerge out of that 15 minutes, or do you just feel like you did win the lottery? Is that, as an artist, do you emerge from that day and you say, well, that is a hell of a, of a good day?
7: I feel like I've just been given a great gift. And and uh, you know the short the short term things like that the quick ones feel more like a gift than the ones that you have to labor over. Uh, but you know, I mean, there's one case you you know I wrote lyrics back in the 70s for a, a song that that ended up uh, being called Celestial Horses. Right. But uh, but I I could never quite make it work. I, there were there were three verses. And uh, you know, about 30 years later, I thought of a chorus for, for for those verses, and and all of a sudden, I had a song. And it, you know, it wasn't like I sat thinking about it for yeah, years. yeah. I just sat in the notebook, but I but I would go back to it every now and then because I liked the verses, and oh, and uh, you know, so it, that that's a rare occurrence that it takes that long. But yeah. but uh, you know, but hey, really when the
1: delivery comes. You're a patient. Okay, Bruce, I got to take a short break. Um, I, I really mm-hmm. want to ask you about uh, the different phases, but especially the political phases. You know, that's one of my passions. And 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 you've been so um, engaged in, in fundamental political issues around the world. And I wonder if that's changed over the years. So lots more uh, with singer-songwriter, guitarist Bruce Coburn. Um, What an absolute pleasure and honor to have him on the program. We're going to take a short break. Lots more to come uh, with Bruce Coburn on the other side. Stay with us. Of course, that is uh, one of the great songs by Bruce Coburn, singer-songwriter. Uh, he is uh, taken a second crack at the 50th anniversary tour that was first delayed by COVID, and he's back on stage. Thank goodness he's been inducted to the Canada Walk of Fame. He's got a new album out, and uh, it is a pleasure to have Bruce Coburn back on the program with us. Uh, Bruce, um, again, th- thanks for doing this so much. How you you were involved in so many remarkable uh, political events? Polit- politics really inspired you. At this moment, is it? Are you still deeply informed by politics, or or has your music taken on a different direction?
7: Well, it's yeah. Uh, how, to, how best to answer that?
2: <laughs> it has it has
7: it has to do with with just the the pass of the uh, the shape of my life really uh the i got involved in what people think of as well it's i mean i guess it's, i don't have to qualify it it is the, uh, political things uh, because uh when i first started to travel in western canada i be i met a bunch of uh indigenous people who were my age are other singer songwriters other other you know various people uh and i got i had never met anybody with that kind of uh, background before and um, comparing notes, uh, it, just, it just seemed like shocking that they had, you know, grown up in the same time as I did and experienced the things that they did, which I mercifully did not. And it just seemed like this, you know, this is messed up. This needs, you know, I need to sing about this. I need, And not because it was, I felt like the songs would, would, Persuade anybody of of the politics, but just for the emotional r- reasons that I write any song like just this, this I'm moved by this, and there, therefore it's going to become a song mm. so th- that's where it started and then, then you know, I got interested in Central America, my brother Don in particular was uh kind of he was involved in solidarity work with with the guerrilla movement in El Salvador back in the seventies and and was trying very hard to get me interested in in the issues uh, uh, around what was going on in Central America. And he succeeded. Not, I mean, it wasn't just him. There were other things too, but, but then I, you know, I went down there, I wrote songs about that. And then I had to talk about the songs. So all, all of a sudden I'm, I'm a political. Well, that's right. it. So it's, uh, it, it, I've never operated from a specific platform politically or anything like that. I, it's, It's all about the people and, and the, just the need to keep working on. and
1: is that impulse still here today are you that impulse to engage uh, like that
7: um yes and yes and no I mean it's, there's it's less uh less virulent <laughs> as i as I get older uh, I'm more concerned like, kind of the pendulum swung back toward more sort of interior right. stuff uh, uh for me but but i'm i pay attention and i'm still interested and in, uh it's you know it, i i would not uh refuse a song that, that people would people would call a political song if it came along i, I mean i i'll, t- I'll take whatever mm. gifts i get in that regard
1: Speaking of Bruce Coburn, Bruce, you've spoken about this. One of your hits, If I Had a Rocket Launcher, um, obviously written from your experience in Guatemala. There's a different resonance today. We're, we're all looking at the war in Ukraine. Um, and audiences react to that song in ways that I'm sure sometimes baffle you. What? How is that song, which is both so iconic but so difficult... Uh, how does it refract through time for you when you play it today?
7: Um, actually, I've avoided playing it the, uh, the last, the, you know, the, on the last run we did and and I was playing it earlier in this tour, but with the Ukraine thing happening, it, it, especially in the United States, it's it's it, people are already on edge enough and already angry enough. Uh, they don't need to be said that uh, the, the, the feelings that go with that song. I, I and I don't like I don't like singing the song in the first place. I mean, I like the song. I think it's a good song. But I uh, I, I have to relive the uh, the experience in the refugee camps in in Mexico that that produced that song uh, every time I sing it, and that's not a pleasant experience at all. So I mean, you know, I was a guy that flew in and flew out again. So you know, I didn't experience anything very terrible. That, that, affected me directly physically, but certainly the, the experience of being among all these people who, who had survived incredible atrocities. And we're talking about that, uh, you know, that, that, I don't want to go back to that, but I do every time I sing it. That isn't why I'm not singing it though, because, uh, you know, it seems every time i I do it, there's uh, not every time, many, most of the time there's somebody in the room who will cheer Right. I'll go if I had a rocket launcher, uh, you know, I'd make somebody pay and then and somebody goes, yeah, it's almost always a male. <laughs> and and I, I, that makes me very uncomfortable uh, because that's not the point of the song. The, the song the song is, is it, it's more of a horror story than that. And so, you know, I, it doesn't feel good to have people cheer.
1: Would you and, write that song today? <laughs>
7: Uh, well, you can't say what if. I mean, if I was exper- exposed to the same things?
1: Yeah.
7: Probably, possibly, but, you know, who knows? But, uh, I, I mean, I I think that a lot of the time, the, the intensity of feeling that could produce a song like that goes with uh, the, a certain novelty of the experience. Like It's like the first time you fall in love. It's, it's, it's more intense right, than... Right. Than than anything that comes after, because you've been there before, and 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 for the first encounter with a refugee camp, uh, you know, surrounded by thousands of starving people, uh, and who are having this violence promulgated against them, it's just um, there's there was, I've never experienced anything quite like that since, even though I've been in other refugee camps and I've been in other war zones. But uh, it just um, that 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 first one. There's one other song came from actually almost exactly similar thing, but very very different circumstance. And that was with uh, when I went to Afghanistan uh, to to sing for the Canadian forces who were at that time in uh, in charge of the base at Kandahar, and uh, that we the group of us that was going over there. Happened to be on the tarmac, getting ready to, to board our plane from the, the secret base, so-called, in the Middle East, to Camp Mirage, to, to Afghanistan, and uh, there was a ramp ceremony right there. Two, two Canadian soldiers' remains were being brought home, and they, they they had just flown in, and so the whole base lined up, uh, uh, you know, on the tarmac to honor them, and we became part of that ceremony because we were there. Huh and And that 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 produced a song called each one lost and and that Great. and it's it's exactly the as intense a different yeah. d- different thing you know they're, they're not uh, a different a, a more diffuse kind of horror let's say that well, what was happening in that I,
1: I what I love first of all that you're available to these emotionally and creatively. Um, I could talk to Bruce Coburn all day. Sir, uh, please catch Bruce Coburn on tour. The music you make is phenomenal. I just want to thank you for the gifts you've given this country, Bruce Coburn. And thanks for joining us today. That is uh, one of the great songs by Bruce Coburn, singer-songwriter. Uh, he is uh, taking a second crack at the 50th anniversary tour that was first delayed by COVID. And he's back on stage. Thank goodness he's been inducted to the Canada Walk of Fame. He's got a new album out. And uh, it is a pleasure to have Bruce Coburn back on the program with us. Uh, Bruce, um, again, th- thanks for doing this so much. How you you were involved in so many remarkable uh, political events? Polit- politics really inspired you. At this moment, is it? Are you still deeply informed by politics, or or has your music taken on a different direction?
7: Well, it's yeah. Uh, how, to, how best to answer that? <laughs> it has it has it has to do with with just the the pass of the uh, the shape of. Uh, my life, really. Uh, the, I got involved in what people think of as, well, it's, I mean, I guess it's, I don't have to qualify it. It is the uh, political things uh, because, uh, when I first started to travel in Western Canada, I be, I met a bunch of, uh, Indigenous people who were my age or other singer songwriters, other, other, you know, various people. Uh, and I got, I had never met Anybody with that kind of uh, background before, and um, comparing notes, uh, I just it just seemed like shocking that they had, you know, grown up in the same time as I did and experienced the things that they did, which I mercifully did not, and it just seemed like this, you know, this is messed up. This needs, you know, I need to sing about this. I need, and not because it was, I felt like the songs would would. Persuade anybody of of the politics, but just for the emotional reasons that I write any song, like just I'm moved by this, and therefore it's going to become a song. Mm. So that's where it started, and then you know I got interested in Central America. My brother Don, in particular, was uh, kind of he was involved in solidarity work with with the guerrilla movement in El Salvador back in the '70s, and and was trying very hard to get me interested in in the issues uh, uh, around what was going on in Central America. And he succeeded. Not, I mean, it wasn't just him. There were other things too, but, but then I, you know, I went down there, I wrote songs about that. And then I had to talk about the songs. So all, all of a sudden I'm, I'm a political. Well, that's right, it. You know? So it's, uh, it, it, I've never operated from a, a specific platform politically or anything like that. I. It's. It's all about the people and, and the, just the need to keep working, on, and is
1: that impulse still here today? Are you that impulse to engage uh, like that?
7: Um, yes, and yes, and no. I mean, I'm, there's it's less uh, less virulent as I as I get older. Uh, I'm more concerned. Like, kind of the pendulum swung back toward more sort of interior right stuff uh, uh, for me, but but i'm i pay attention and i'm still interested and in, uh it's you know it, i i would not uh refuse a song that, that people would people would call a political song if it came along i, I mean i i'll, t- I'll take whatever mm. gifts i get in that regard
1: Speaking of Bruce Coburn, Bruce, you've spoken about this. One of your hits, If I Had a Rocket Launcher, um, obviously written from your experience in Guatemala. There's a different resonance today. We're, we're all looking at the war in Ukraine. Um, and audiences react to that song in ways that I'm sure sometimes baffle you. What? How is that song, which is both so iconic but so difficult... Uh, How does it refract through time for you when you play it today?
7: Um, Actually, I've avoided playing it the the last, you know, on the last run we did, and and I was playing it earlier in this tour, but with the Ukraine thing happening, especially in the United States, it's it's people are already on edge enough and already angry enough. Uh, They don't need to be said that uh, the 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 feelings that go with that song. I, I. and I don't like I don't like singing the song in the first place. I mean, I like the song. I think it's a good song. But I uh, I, I have to relive the uh, the experience in the refugee camps in, in Mexico that, that produced that song uh, every time I sing it, and that's not a pleasant experience at all. So and I mean, you know, I was a guy that flew in and flew out again. So you know, I didn't experience anything very terrible that that affected me directly physically but certainly the, the experience of being among all these people who who had survived incredible atrocities and we're talking about that uh you know that that I don't want to go back to that but I do every time I sing it that isn't why I'm not singing it though because uh, you know it seems every time I I do it there's uh, not every time many most of the time there's somebody in the room who will cheer Right. I'll go if I had a rocket launcher, uh, you know, I'd make somebody pay, and then and somebody goes, yeah. It's almost always a male, <laughs> and, and I, I, that makes me very uncomfortable uh, because that's not the point of the song. The, the song, the song is, is it, it's more of a horror story than that, and so you know I, it doesn't feel good to have people cheer.
1: Would you and, write that song today? <laughs>
7: Uh, well, you can't say what if. I mean, if I was exper- exposed to the same things?
1: Yeah.
7: Probably, possibly, but, you know, who knows? But, uh, I, I mean, I I think that a lot of the time, the, the intensity of feeling that could produce a song like that goes with uh, the, a certain novelty of the experience. like It's like the first time you fall in love. It's, it's, it's more intense right, than... Right than than anything that comes after because you've been there before and 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 the first encounter with a refugee camp uh, you know surrounded by thousands of starving people uh, and who are having this violence promulgated against them it's just um, there's there was, I've never experienced anything quite like that since, even though I've been in other refugee camps and I've been in other war zones. But uh, it just um, that 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 first one. T- there's one other song came from a, actually almost exactly similar thing, but very very different circumstance, and that was with uh, when I went to Afghanistan uh, to to sing for the Canadian forces who were at that time in uh, in charge of the base at Kandahar, and uh, that we w- the group of us that was going over there happened to be on the tarmac getting ready to, to board our plane from the the secret base so called in the Middle East to Camp Mirage to to Afghanistan and uh there was a ramp ceremony right there two two Canadian soldiers remains were being brought home and they 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 had just flown in and so the whole base lined up uh, uh you know on the tarmac to honor them and we became part of that ceremony because we were there huh. And and that 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 produced a song called Each One Lost, and and that <sighs> and it's it's exactly the as intense a different yeah. d- different thing, you know. They're, they're not uh, a different a, a more diffuse kind of horror. Let's say that
1: well,
7: what was happening in that. I
1: I what I love first of all that you're available to these emotionally and creatively. Yeah. Um, I could talk to Bruce Coburn all day sir uh, please catch Bruce Coburn on tour the music you make is phenomenal I just want to thank you for the gifts you've given this country Bruce Coburn and thanks for joining us today